welcome to Health's Kitchen, the podcast that talks all things health, safety, and performance when it comes to restaurants and the food service industry. I'm Aaron, kinesiologist, former dishwasher, server, bartender, and I will be guiding us through this journey as I connect with industry professionals, health experts, and anyone who has a good story in the food service industry. One thing that I think the food service industry does better than almost any other industry is change. We're really good at finding what the new trend is, what the new idea is, what's the new way of doing things. And those ideas can disseminate really fast across the field. And I think it's interesting how much you've seen a change in food service businesses over the last 10, 20 years. And one of the most obvious places that this change is apparent is in specialty coffee, where previously a small part of the industry was nice cafes serving up specialty coffee, and nowadays you can't really go four or five feet without seeing a specialty coffee cafe. Even in small towns, there's now specialty coffee cafes. So there's a lot of occupational health uh, concerns, ideas, problems, changes with all these new businesses opening up, with all different types of professionals working in it, and all different types of people becoming professional baristas. So I thought we'd get into a conversation about that. And I'm really excited for the guests that we have on today. And what better way to get into it than to introduce them? Today's guest is Jay Lee, who is the former head barista for the Google facility in Waterloo. And their career in coffee has been an eight-year-long journey, going from roasting coffee to serving it to maintaining coffee, and then finally judging and competing at the Canadian Barista Competition. They have gone on to start their own business called Guildsman Cafe, and we get into all the details of change throughout specialty coffee businesses and where we think the career is going next. Let's go listen in. Um, so yeah, so... Uh, with me today is Jay in the hot seat, and uh, I'll let you introduce yourself before we get into the main meat of the conversation. Amazing. Thank you, Erin. Uh, so I am Jay. I have been in the specialty coffee industry for about eight years now. Uh, currently not even in it anymore, technically, uh, but up until a few months ago, I was the head barista at the Google office in Waterloo. Yeah. Yeah, I've basically just been uh, done everything that this industry has to offer. I've roasted. I've done uh, maintenance on all of the machines. 
I've judged and competed in the barista competition in Canada. Uh, and I've done a bunch of training. I now own my own business. Uh, there's a specialty coffee catering called Guildsman Cafe. Nice. You know, I was so excited that you said yes to be on because I think when we talk hospitality, when we talk food service, we talk like what we think when we think in a restaurant. So we think bartenders, chefs, servers, house. But I think a lot of people forget the barista side of it and the occupational health side of it. So I really wanted to connect with you and talk about those sorts of things and all this stuff that happens with it. Because I used to, I worked as a barista, not a very good one, um, for a period of time in Guelph doing that thing. And I learned as best I could. I kind of did my thing while I was there. I don't know how good I was at it. Um, I, you know, I already had serving experience, so there was a lot of other parts of that job. But there were a lot of occupational health things to think about when I was doing that. And looking back on those days, I was so excited to get to talk with you about those things especially with someone with your experience level oh, so thank you so much for having me on the show today yeah so how did you get into it how did you get into it in the first place how did i gain um it was entirely by accident to be quite honest uh, i was just out of university i had studied at the university of guelph um graduated and then was like what do i do with myself i'm out in the world with no job experience I, aside from like fast food. Uh, so I answered a Kijiji ad for uh, apprentice roaster position in Guelph. Uh, and I got an interview and I had recently just graduated after doing a wine tasting course. And they had like set down a bunch of different coffee beans for me to try out. Uh, and then I was like, oh, this tastes like this. And remembering all my wine tasting and oenology notes and then they were impressed enough that they gave it to me uh, and so the rest is the rest is history the industry found me so to say rather than me specifically looking for the industry yeah i feel like a lot of people have that story you know the industry like the industry chose me i didn't choose it um some people are like yep that's what i wanted to do i went into it i wanted to be a chef or whatever but i find a lot of people just kind of ended up there you know and made it work from there and grew into it so did you, from your roasting days, because you were working as a roaster, I assume, yes, at the beginning, yes. and then eventually you moved into the cafe side? Uh, yes and no. So I, I started, the, the job position was for a roaster, um, but they were like, oh, we only need you like two or three days a week. And I think at that point I might have still been doing a couple of classes, uh, but then I kind of left the university and uh, was like, I need full time because I need to eat. Um, that's important. Uh, so I started working as a barista as well. Uh, and honestly, like I, I worked with a very awesome team lead named Keith. If you're out there and listening to this, thank you for inspiring me. Um, but he basically just turned me on to this passion about coffee and like he would come on at every shift with this great attitude. And I eventually just kind of fell in love with, with specialty coffee and, and all its ins and outs. Uh, so that kind of drove me to just learn more um, when there was a, I guess you would call it a technical specialist, a person who does all the machine maintenance. Okay. Um, that, that position came up, I took that. Um, and then when uh, people in the cafe were going to competitions, I started kind of just like piggybacking along with them and just joining in and just finding, making industry connections and just really enjoying that journey. So I, I kind of fell in love with it, even though I didn't necessarily go into it on purpose 
Yeah, so just kind of taking the next opportunity that fell in front of you, or like, this is interesting, let's go do that. <laughs> this is interesting, let's go do that. I like I like knowing a lot of different things within stuff, so I think uh, I just like the learning, the learning aspect of all of it, so I just kind of dove in. Yeah, I just dove in mm-hmm. and went with it. What did you go to school for? Uh, honors animal biology is the degree. Okay. Yeah, so it was kind of a, kind of quite a departure from what I, uh, I had gone to school for. Yeah. Um, but you know, I fell in love with it, and I think uh, I think it was one of those things where I'm like, you know what? It's an opportunity. Let's see where it goes. I really enjoy it. So yeah. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I was just expecting you to say chemistry or something, and that would just be like, oh, okay, cool. I'm like that kind of <laughs> goes hand in hand, and then. Um, but you know, that's, yeah, that's really exciting. And just kind of leaning into that as that, those opportunities, uh, fell and fell or came to you or you, um, reached for and went for and grew from there. But I know when I worked as a barista for the period of time that I was doing that in Guelph, um, I was, I found it like interesting, the demands of the job that would have on you, like the physical demands. So looking at like, when you're pressing the espresso before it goes into the machine, I'm gonna butcher any of the like terms uh, that may be true, but like you know that move. I won't judge you. I promise. <laughs> uh, you know that move of doing that. You know, and if you're the person on the line who's making all those cafe drinks, especially during a rush, like you're pumping out a lot of product based on you and the consistency that has to come with that and the processes and. It's very specific, yeah. I found, yeah, and like you're even when you're trained to tamp coffee, um, you're not gonna be able to see me do this. But it's basically like you put your arm at a ninety degree angle to your body, and you're basically like putting thirty pounds of pressure on the weakest part of your shoulder over and over and over again. Yeah. So did you did you find that wore you down over time? Did you feel that in your body, or did you try to bring in the edits forward to try and make that a little bit easier? You know what, that that actually is an interesting point, because I, I was reading about different methods of tamping, and then all these new different products that are coming out. Because uh, if you look at, like, a traditional espresso tamper, it, lo- it basically is just, like, a four-inch handle on top of a steel disc. It puts your hands, like, in the weirdest position, um... And you're just kind of told, like, keep going with that uh, for hours. Um, And what I found is, like, if you didn't stop or switch out, uh, you'd end up having some, like, very serious, like, uh, repetitive strain injuries, like, in your your wrist. I had one that was in my thumb for a while, and then because the side of my thumb was hitting the tamper over and over again, I actually had, like, a sore... That I had to keep putting a band-aid on it, it would not go away for for weeks until I found enough staff um, to switch out enough. Mm-hmm. And so it, it did eventually go away, but I was like, this is this is not a great way to do a repetitive job. And so I'm looking at all these products that are coming down now that specialty coffee is in whatever wave it is in now. And there's you know push tampers where you just press down with the flat of your hand. Yeah. Um, there's ones that are basically like a handle that you push forward uh, instead of pushing straight down. But at the same time, it's I don't know if you can really get rid of that repetitive aspect of the job, no matter what tool you use necessarily. Yeah, it's, I, I, when I run around in cafes in Toronto, sometimes I see different tools being used. And I'm like, huh, I wonder. Um, I want to interview the person right then to be like, how does that feel? <laughs> how does that, 
Are you feeling that here in your wrist? How about the <laughs> extension? Is you feeling really extended? Like it'd be turning like into a like complete kinesiologist freaking. Scaring them off and getting banned from the cafe or something, but like... This man has already had too much caffeine. Yeah, he has too much coffee, and (laughs) please make him leave. Uh, But the, uh, yeah, I've seen these different technologies and these different techniques, and has there ever been any conversations about stretching, about maintenance of your body when it comes to working that, that job, and... Uh, Specifically for coffee, not, not really, like I've never had... I've never had any of my leads in particular um, say like, oh, let's stretch, let's do this, let's do that. Uh, I had one uh, one lead who would basically try to switch us up in like whatever station we were at. Uh, unfortunately, just because you can't really, some, sometimes the rushes wouldn't be predictable. So like with your best intentions, you're stuck at one spot for hours mm-hmm. or you'd ne- or you'd be working with someone who's like, oh, like, I have this injury or I'm too tall for that or whatever. So like, then you're stuck because this other person can't do the job that you're doing. Um, but yeah, so it, it's, it's interesting. Cause like, I think, um, I think as well, people's kind of view, especially coffee as like, not as hardcore as say a kitchen job. Um, yeah. and like in a lot of ways it's not like you're not necessarily having to like run around with sharp knives or cut things over and over again um, but there's still like this aspect of this this mindset that like oh it's just you know just slinging coffee it's not it's not gonna injure you you know so no one really asks those questions yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, and I think that's that mindset that's most dangerous versus like not stretching yeah right that mindset that like oh this isn't dangerous so yeah, don't need to worry it's fine it's, it's fine. fine um even though any job if you do anything repeatedly opens you up to a potential like or if you hold any position for a long period of time right like look at office workers that sit all day and then they get low back pain right boom there you go you just move around more but like yeah it's one of those one of those things if you don't think about it or don't have a culture of talking about it at all um you know you probably won't have any fixes to those sorts of mm-hmm. problems i also think it has something to do with the this transient nature of of being a barista there's a lot of people who nowadays are becoming more open to the idea of making coffee their career but there is still a majority of people i find who kind of float in they're a barista for a couple of years and then they're off to something else then they're off to school then they're off to a different industry etc so like you don't necessarily have staff retention to bother training up a lot of those people and so those things just aren't built into the infrastructure of the industry really yeah yeah i think that's something across the board like i think baristas but i think also just with like restaurants food service like it's always that it's considered that stepping stone job Mm -hmm. you know um warranted or not right like or like you know i'm gonna go get the real job later or something you know no matter how horrible that may be but i hear things like that a lot where people are like oh yeah i'm doing this for just a little bit of time and then you don't get that institutional knowledge or that or those leaders sometimes in the field yeah and i think people just i think the the people who do lead those uh, whatever cafe or roastery that is they just kind of get this mindset of like oh like it's not really worth investing the time yeah and i think i think it really is especially if you want to keep people on for longer and make it a more quote unquote serious of a job. Yeah. Um, and definitely, do you find, uh, well, I know a lot of cafes are going to rely on a lot of talent. 
you know, you need to have somebody that can make an awesome coffee. I know in Toronto, that's a huge deal, you know, where you have a cafe every 10 feet, um, you know, you, you really need to be able to like make the best coffee, you know, yeah, if it's you're going to have people come to your cafe and hang out, right? Especially like uh, Queen West, dear God, you know, if you're <laughs> over on Queen West, you know, there's all these cafes that are doing really high end amazing coffee then you're gonna have to you know be the best to keep people at your at your location or coming in for that coffee um i don't know what my question was to line up with that but i think that's just something is that something that's observed in the field i I think so too especially in in meccas like toronto where it's like you know you can't throw a stone without hitting a couple of cafes Mm -hmm. um i actually had the privilege of training with uh momi from hot black on i think it's on queen actually so it's funny that you say queen west um yeah it's like you know you just get over to like ossington and there you go it's like uh, like you just have like a billion cafes every like four feet and you know you can just pick wherever you want to go Mm -hmm. and funny story aside not to get off topic real quick but i remember i went into a cafe once and i was like they had, like, all these baked scones, like, all these flavors and stuff, and I was, like, and I was just said to them, uh, oh, like, what's your best scone, or what, you know, which scone would you recommend, or whatever, because there were so many different kinds, and she was, like, oh, you should have, like, the triple cheddar with basil and something else scone. It was rated the top scone in Toronto on Blanc Tio, and I was, like, I just had such a Toronto moment. <laughs> like, it's just such a Toronto moment to be, like, it was the top one on Blanc Tio, and I was, like, yep, we're totally in Toronto. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, to go like, yeah, so that's sort of, you know, having to make quality coffee in that, in yeah. that talent base. Yeah. As I was saying, like, um, had the, tra- had the privilege of training under Momi, who is like, uh, she's, she was a huge deal in the barista competition scene for a long time. Uh, she started hot black, um, and the quality control there is unreal. Like she is always like she's always on the floor like you can't really maintain the coffee quality unless you have someone who really really cares um just kind of watching the baristas making sure like everything is done just so um and especially if you walk into any other coffee shop not not every other coffee shop but a lot of coffee shops it's you know things are messy things aren't necessarily standardized you're relying a lot on the individual barista Uh, and their skill set versus you go to a place like hot black where someone is always there and they're right on it and they're always making sure everything is done up to standard and you know if if that is the case then you have people who are immensely talented who can't necessarily leave the floor to do their management stuff without you know also having to take a lot of extra time out of their day to continue doing that Um, so like, and this is me speaking just about one shop, but I imagine that, um, unless you're willing to hire a lot of baristas who have like five, 10 years experience, then you have usually that one person who's like, oh my God, I have to do all this stuff. I have to be doing the, their job, making sure they're doing their job, also doing management, running the whole place. And that I think is also, um, a huge, a hugely taxing thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that training comes back. Um, that training that's so important to get people up to where they need to be. Yeah, um, that time investment in your staff. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that that time investment and, the, and building those policies to make sure that that time frame is like as tight as possible, right? That says this person's going to be here in their first week, they're going to be here in their first three weeks, in their first month they're here in their abilities, and by two months they're caught up to everyone else, right? They're just as strong as everyone else, so they're ready to go and to do whatever's needed. And I've seen that gap in restaurants sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was working in a place where I um, was, like, I put my shift up for grabs, and it was a closing shift, like a bar night shift, and it was somebody who had, like, actually been hired at the same time as me, went to take it, and the management came to me and said, that person can't have it because we don't believe they're strong enough to take a bar closing oh my God. shift. And I was just really surprised because I was like, really? Like, I just thought we would all be, and this was, like, a year and a half in. Like, this wasn't, like... This wasn't like, you know, a month in and we were all still hashing out where we were and I had a lot of experience. It was like, literally, we'd all been there for a long time. Yeah, I think there, I think it's there's a certain, uh, there's certain gaps that are, are made, I think, in training in a lot of, in a lot of restaurant and food service industries. And I found that with coffee as well, where there's never the time to just invest the same amount of training with every person. It's always like on the job, on the fly, and there's like, a very hard time standardizing everything unless yeah. you have someone there at all times or have that. or have that really well planned into the infrastructure yeah which with the margins of of specialty coffee and food service it's like <laughs> do we really spend that time and, and train up these people or do we just kind of get them competent enough to vaguely push them toward the espresso machine and hope for the best yeah you know? just to take them in the direction <laughs> and hope they like fall into place and hold the thing at the right time maybe and you know yeah ho- uh, hopefully everyone hopefully all the experienced people around them get them up instead of necessarily like having that training throughout you know yeah um funny yeah i feel like a lot of these interventions are not for like when you're first starting your business you know <laughs> like it's not something you're going to be thinking about at all you know you're going to be like yeah totally like you're just trying to keep your head above water it's once you think of a business that's functioning you're actually trying to get things to work a little bit better that these things might become a little bit more attractive to you. Yeah, like I, I remember when we when I first uh, started the cafe at the Google office, like I had all of these plans in place. I had like I had the thinking from a few months before I was planning like all this training, how I would run the bar. And then the first day I just remember there was a lineup like almost throughout the entire first floor of the office and it's not a small office it's designed for like 1500 people that work there so like there's a lineup from both sides of the bar there wasn't any sort of signage that said order here pick up here and the flow that i had planned out all the training it just kind of completely went out the window and we were just it was all we could do to just be like, okay, let's just keep pushing out drinks and just survive. Oh god, just please survive! Like, yeah, yeah. and then once we like, we could, you can kind of like plan ahead as much as you want, and it's better to do that. But at the same time, it's there's always going to be those things that you run into that like just don't quite work the way you planned. Yeah, and aren't aren't feasible. Um, I know, like, as a kinesiologist, occupational consultant, all the stuff that I do. I know going in that I will probably never really make any comments about service. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I could ever really go into a business in a lot of ways and be like, you know what, during service, they're going to be like, (laughs) screw you. You have no idea. They would like kick me out the door, you know, because it's just, 
that's where you're just trying to keep your head above water or whatever you want to call it, right? Because it's kind of chaotic, right? Yeah, like being managing that is always always seems to be more useful if you can do it on the fly a little bit and then yeah. work it in. Yeah, somehow. Exactly, right? <laughs> you can figure out how to work it in, but like me as an outsider, even though I've been in the industry, I know walking in and be like, yeah. So during service, and they would like huck a knife at me or something because it would just be not. It wouldn't be feasible at all, right? Like it just it wouldn't be. It's something that you. It's so. It's a level of chaos that I don't think a lot of people appreciate. Yeah, and, like, it, it's so different for every place, too. I remember I was uh, asked to consult for a coffee bar, and I remember, like, there were two very hairy-looking baristas there, and this, they had started off as, like, a team of seven and had slowly dwindled down to two people, and they're running this, trying to run this bar, and there's, ob- there's like, an obvious staffing problem, but because they're they're just open, they can't. They have a hiring freeze on, so they can't hire any more people to fix these problems that they're having. And when you have two people, who by the way they're not working the same eight hour shift, they're staggered. So you have like one person alone trying to run this bar for a bit at the beginning and end of each day, and then they're like, "Oh, can you come in and consult and tell us how to?" how we can get these baristas that you've never met before and you don't understand their workflow, how we can get them to do better, and also we want to implement X, Y, Z things into the program. So I walk in and I'm like, this is this is a sinking ship. I did my best, but I think those two baristas by the end were like so frustrated. Not yeah, necessarily by me, but like by upper management, just really failing to kind of see there was a huge issue. Um, that, like, I think both of them left within, like, three weeks of me coming in to consult. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's rough. You know, if you don't, um, if you don't plan ahead, it's tough when you're coming in to consult because you want to... Yeah, you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea what's going on. You have no idea what's going on in the background, right? Like, you don't know, you know, you may come in and be able to be like, hey, this is something I'm doing, you know, but you don't know the politics, you don't know the business side you know the mm-hmm. goals of the like you might know what they're saying as the goals of the place but you might not know what the actual goals are you know that's like think, uh, two different things i think my literal advice as soon as i like stepped off behind the line i'm like you need to hire more people because like what you have asked is not possible yeah like if someone gets sick you just don't have an opener or a closer for yeah, the day you just don't have it can't run yeah it's impossible yeah um yeah I've, yeah i've seen situations like that on other other types of industries too sometimes that happens where it's like you know if you just have more people on that's sometimes also a solution right um to save you money too because then you don't have those times where things just fall apart um because you just don't have the people Mm. you know um that seems to be a common theme of just like understaffing trying to like get the most out of your the most return out of your skeleton crew but then you kind of counterintuitively it's just like no that actually hurts your business a little bit because then you're gonna not have that built-in redundancy for those times where you're trying to make sure that things run regardless of what happens yeah yeah it's kind of taking the business side and just throwing business at a at human (laughs) at the human factor you know which is totally yes that is something we're trying to do we're trying to run a business and keep costs down and all those sorts of things but you can't um, completely remove the human factor variable of it, right? You have to build in some thought about that because otherwise, you know, that doesn't run, you know, especially for food service businesses where we're based off human capital. 
you know, because it's the human capital that allows your business to run. Until you can replace like baristas and servers and chefs with with robots, it's just not. <laughs> the iPad's on its way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think that's going to come down anytime soon because I know robots take time to. Uh, get smart enough to move in certain ways. Robots are really good at moving in specific ways. Yeah, and um, people are already, like, com- or people already complain about the self-checkouts at grocery stores. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they'd be all really down with being like, oh, yeah, like, we have the robo-server today. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. We have the robo-barista. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the robo-server lost on its GPS and it keeps running into the corner of the restaurant right now. And we have to it's like a fancy it. Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's amazing. I could, <laughs> I could be thinking about that movie. Like, it's a fancy Roomba just running around. Well, not to change uh, course too much, but what's the favorite part of your workday? Uh, so I think the favorite part of my workday was, um, honestly, I would say the human interaction. So it's funny enough talking about robots. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed that human interaction with, with the consumer. Um, I think as someone who's in co- uh, co- specialty coffee rather than food service necessarily, uh, we get a little bit luckier with our client base because people who buy coffee are not usually the people, well, this is a very very big generalization, but you know you have a lot less margin of people who are going to be like, how dare you have this wrong side? My steak is too well done or not well done enough. Yep. And then, so with, with people in coffee, people are just, they tend to be more relaxed, I find. Uh, and they're also kind of like willing to, to just chat about like the product that you have. Um, yeah. Because like the, the thing that I have always really enjoyed is, is education. Um, so actually, you ask about the favorite part of a work day. It would, it would probably be the days where I would either get to educate people if I was doing like an, a coffee event and being like here are the variables of extraction here is how you make a really good coffee um or educating and educating my staff and having like a 10 minute morning meeting just kind of like reading from the world atlas of coffee being like oh this is like what is the difference between a robusta and an arabica like what is the difference in coffee and uh, the flavor profile of coffee from like Colombia versus Ethiopia like what does what differences does processing make and that sort of thing. So I would say like the best parts of my job always involved whatever passion I could bring forth and the things that I really liked about coffee itself. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I think that's very a common theme throughout food service. Like, I, I think it definitely is. I think it's that's something for people who work that like customer interaction side, definitely have those opportunities to do that. I always say it's like creating magic. A little bit. I always found that that was my favorite part of working in the service industry was one of those times you got to nail the magic part of it, you know, and like bringing forward an excellent product, but then also making the magic of the service, you know, bringing forward what that person needed. Yeah, making that person's day. I actually remember there was one time someone, I digress a little bit. I remember oh, him. this is fine. Uh, there was a regular who came to... Um, a coffee bar at Google, one of the engineers, he was like, I think he was like a, he was one of the team leads for some sort of fancy team. I don't, I don't really keep up with the technology side of things, but uh, he, I served him an Americano every day and I remember him coming up for his Americano. I'd already gotten it ready, 
but he looked all flustered and I remember having a, a chat with him about what was going on in his life and he was talking about he's like oh I had a I kind of had a bit of a I'm stressed out because I had a bit of a fight with my 17 year old daughter and like she's saying this and I'm trying to like I, I just want to know that it'll get better and so we like I made myself a coffee and we just kind of chatted about you know, I grew up as a, as a, as a young girl. So, uh, I have that experience and I'm like, you know what? Things will get better. You're doing fine. And that was kind of the magic moment where he was like, by the end of the conversation, he looked a little more hopeful and was like, thank you for that. You know? So it was, those, those situations don't happen in, you know, say an office job where you're just sitting behind a computer all day. Yeah, definitely not. Um, yeah, that's magical. Mm. I, yeah, it's magic. Yeah. I don't know any other word to describe it. Uh, There's a bit of a soul that comes through, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that a lot. But getting back to coffee, because that's yes. what, you know, getting back to coffee. Uh, but the, I, I've been saying this in every interview I've done so far, where I kind of say, how has the field changed? Where do you expect it to go in the next 10 years? those sorts of things and you're starting a business as well so I think you're probably really you know attuned to maybe what's going on in the market or what you're trying to bring forward to the market um and yeah and I think now I'm going on a tangent just talking but (laughs) the uh and I think when it comes to specialty coffee there's been such a meteoric shift in the in the field in like what the last 15 20 years even since I started in specialty coffee, like things have grown by leaps and bounds. Like the things that you could do to win a, an international barista competition 10 years ago, you wouldn't even get to nationals with now because people just have, people who are really passionate about the industry just have so much more knowledge, so much more drive to do better than the last person did. Uh, and I think that's incredible. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I I think I just cut you cut off your question a little no, bit. No, I'm but... enjoying hearing that because I think I think you're onto something. So if you say like, okay, so let's go with that sports side of it then. That's actually really interesting because I used to be an athlete, right? And I used to be a varsity coach and stuff. So the so with these competitions, with this sort of um, work being down the field, where you say like. Something that you may have done 10 years ago and not like a world would win isn't even going to get you to nationals now. Is that sort of focus, is that sort of like growth being seen across the field because of these opportunities and now, and that kind of works its way down through the field as these things come out? I would like to think so. I think, uh, I think specialty coffee is, is always changing and always getting a little bit better. Um, especially like we're kind of doing what food has been doing for, for centuries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coffee has not really, coffee kind of stagnated for a while, I think, especially in North America where it was like, you know, put on, put on the drip pot and that, that was, that was coffee. Um, but now we're kind of following almost not necessarily following the European model, but also kind of being like, you know what? let's do the same thing with with new world wine with coffee and learn more about it and try to make it our own um see what we as canadians or americans can do uh like to make that experience better and to try and push that experience a little more so like when you're talking earlier about all of these 
coffee shops like popping up on Queen West, it's like you know, like ten years ago, none of those would be there. Yeah. Fifteen years ago, none of that. You you would open up a coffee shop and like that, and people would be like, "This is what the heck is like an Ethiopian Sadamo." You know, like, can yeah. I just have a good old American? I had someone ask one time, like, probably close to, close to ten years ago, like, oh, where, where's the good old American coffee? And I think, the industry has changed because people want better, and they want to know what's out there, and that information hasn't, quote unquote, percolated down the line to the same extent that in food it has in food or wine or anything like that. But we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there, and I think people are expecting more. Yeah. 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 So hopefully we start uh, figuring out ways to, you know, boost energy and fatigue and manage the the health side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, as these as we have more and more workplaces coming into the scene and more and more ideas coming forward of like how do we do things, you know, and how we change up, you know, maybe we'll see those ideas start to come forward and be talked about, right? Especially, I was thinking anytime you have something like a competition that people start like thinking like athletes and then they're like, what do I have to do to like make the best coffee? Like, what does my body need to get me ready for competition? You know, and those yeah. sorts of things uh, might start to come forward and create those sort of solutions. I should start making like workout plans for baristas that are competing. Like seriously, yeah. Stage. Why am I doing this? Okay. Note that as a business plan, or if somebody else wants to do it ahead of me, but, like, this is my idea. I'm running with it. Yeah, maybe I should start doing that. I should start talking to, like, the top people and be like, hey, what are you doing for stretches? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, what are, like, what are you doing to, like, like lessen the stress of this? Yeah. Um, and I think also because coffee compared to food is such a specialty coffee rather than just coffee, uh, such a new industry relative to... Um, say like the brigade system of of food service um that like there's not really a lot of infrastructure built in for health and safety like we talked about earlier um so for i'll give you an example i visit i had the privilege of visiting uh the detour roastery um they have a new roastery out in hamilton Mm. um and they're like this is a huge difference of like even a few years and a little bit more money in their in their warehouse, uh, in their roastery, but they have a old winch system that was part of the of that warehouse, and so they have they can hook these giant hundred and twenty pound bags of green beans and like press a button and it gets lifted and, and like yeah, a robot is like driving it around the building. It gets put into a bin, and then. There's like a vacuum system they use to transport those beans up into the roaster, so no one's having to, no one's having to carry around um, this bin of beans, which is like, I think at the time I was like maybe like 110 pounds soaking wet, so yeah. I was carrying something like half my half my size like on one shoulder, um, which couldn't have been good for anyone really, mm-hmm. but it's it's it goes to show you like how how the industry is starting to modernize. Yeah. Yeah. starting to modernize and change. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm sure, you know, establishments change as well. Right. Depending on how things are set up within them. And, uh, you know, sometimes it just takes like one injury to make people aware. Right. And then they're like, Oh, I have no idea. Then they go and start bringing in these changes or whatever. Yeah. Like I remember I was working as the, uh, as a production assistant in the roastery as well. So I was roasting as well as like bagging and, 
you know, stealing yeah. all these bags of coffee, transporting them out to boxes and, you know, doing basically running a gambit where I was three different people as one person. Yeah. Uh, and I got like really horrible tendonitis and like to the point where like I'd go to like shut a bag of coffee and like my hand would just not close. Yeah. And so like I had to bring that up and be like, look, you know, I'm running around doing all this and you need like at least one other person so that we can switch. Yeah. And that question had just never been brought up before. Yeah. And I think that's something that's, uh, that's kind of, it's getting better in the industry as a whole, but, um, I think that especially like you have a lot of newer roasteries and newer cafes, like there's no manual to do that. There's no manual of like, here is how you health and safety in a new roastery. Yeah. Like those, those standards are still being created Mm -hmm. and being brought into existence. So interesting. Interesting. Um, tell me about your business, because, like, you know, I want to make this a platform where you can get more If I can it. plug my business a yeah, little bit. Plug your, what are you doing? What's happening? Uh, so it's still, it's still kind of up and coming. I've done a few caterings, but uh, Guildsman Cafe essentially is a uh, specialty coffee catering uh, business where we uh, basically drop a fully functional coffee bar into your venue um, and just make amazing drinks for your guests. All the coffee is freshly roasted. All of the milk is steamed to perfection. All of that stuff that you would find in a specialty coffee bar anywhere, but within right within your doors. So say that you want to have a corporate event and you don't necessarily want to just like bring in a giant vat of coffee from Tim's. Um, I can show up, set up my bar, um, and you know, pump out some really good cappuccinos and lattes, etc., yeah. uh, for your event. Um, another thing that is kind of goes along with the theme of modernization is uh, I've always found like if you go to any like wedding, like any fancy event, um, you can get really good food, really good wine, really good you know bar bar uh, bar line drinks, I guess. Yeah, cocktails. Cocktails, yeah, and then they serve you like diner coffee. Yeah. Which I've always found really weird. So I've done a few weddings as well. Where cool. I've just like brought in the coffee and, um, you know, essentially like been kind of this cool novel thing where I'm just this specialty coffee person pumping out all these awesome drinks as like kind of a nightcap to the end of the night. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, cool. I'm happy you're having some success with that. I'll put in the show notes somewhere uh, links to where to find you or the website or your social media oh, thank you so stuff. much is there any like social media you prefer someone to follow you on right now uh i just have a website right now i haven't really i'm not as as savvy with the social media as i uh as i should be um but the website is just guildsmancafe.ca okay yeah. perfect so people can find you there awesome well this it's been really exciting. I think this has been a good conversation yeah, so like far. Too. I think we're going to take a break from there. We're going to get into our crazy stories right after that and see what happens. Hey, listeners. Now, I know you are in the thick of the holiday season, and don't worry, you're almost through the busiest time of the year. I believe in you. But if you want to feel a little bit better before, during, and after your workday in the restaurant, then go sign up for the restaurant portal at balancelifeservices.ca. On there, we have exclusive articles, resources, webinars, infographics, all about performing better 
during your workday and feeling better after your workday in a restaurant. On the platform, you'll find articles under the server section, like how to carry a tray to prevent injury. Under the chef section, how to manage the heat while working in a kitchen. And also infographics like how to eat carbohydrates properly to give you the best energy during your workday. Now, it's the holiday season, so if you use the promo code HEALTHKITCHEN, you'll get 50% off your first month. Sounds pretty good, right? And don't forget, you don't have to just do it for yourself. You can also give this as a gift to someone you love who works in the food service industry. So once again, go to balancelifeservices.ca slash restaurant portal to go see what's in store. So we are back, and we're into the next segment of this podcast, which I have yet to name because I'm not there yet, which is Crazy Restaurant Stories. Maybe it will be named that. I don't know. Maybe we'll get there. Who knows? But we're going to be telling some of those stories because we all have them. They're entertaining. We always bring them out at parties. And I'll go first because, you know. I look forward to hearing your story. Perfect. Because, you know, and we are talking about coffee and being a barista today. So I'll go back to the time that I was a barista. Um, for, you know, the little bit of time I did that when I was working downtown Guelph. And um, just, it, this is a really amazing story to me. We, if you live downtown Guelph, you get a lot of really interesting characters that come in. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and it's always really fun. There was one that used to always come in, and I always and dearly remember this story because um, it was just so awesome. So there was this lady who would come in and every day she would ask for her free coffee and we'd give her one, you know, cause it, it was fine. It's just one coffee, like drip coffee, no big deal. Um, but she would always come in with a different reason why she should have a free coffee. And it was always fun to see what the story would be. So at first it would be like, you know, I work here so I should get free coffee. And it's like, well, you don't, but you can have free coffee or, the next one was, I'm a police officer, and I hear you get free coffee to police officers. Um, the next one was, I have an account here, um, so I can get free coffee. Um, I have a... How do you have an account with artisanal? It's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> details. Uh, but the, uh, the, the next one was, um, uh, the next one was, I... Oh, I know the mayor, and the mayor said I could have a free coffee, um, and then the best one, and this is the sort of the one that takes the cake, and I was like, it was so good, and I just love it. So she came in, and she's like, can I get a free coffee? And she was like, I need to have a free coffee, because I've just been told that I'm going to be the president of the United States, and if I don't get a free coffee, they're going to electrocute me. And I was like, you... Yeah, you know, well, that happened. Had, yeah, well, that happened, but also just, like, I don't know how you're going to top that one. That was real good. Like, that was... You know, no more so, free coffee. Yeah, so that was always one of my favorite parts of seeing people come through the cafe. You never know who would come in and chat with you and have those sorts of connections, and that was a pretty consistent one. That was really fun. Uh, every day I was there. You know, there were other times where, like, you know, the cafe is just chaos. Because there were a lot of times you'd be working solo for a period of time, and you'd be holding the holding the roof down, you know, and uh, sometimes people wouldn't be in for like an hour, an hour and a half after you start your shift. So you're just going to have to like manage that and like the chaos that would happen when you're one of the only cafes downtown and it's like market Saturday. So everybody's downtown and you're like, chaos, oh my God. You know, <laughs> that was always, 
that was always really fun with that side of the barista job. Um, on the whole, those were the sort of stories that I remember endearingly. At the same place, I also got to help serve David Suzuki as part of the team, which was really entertaining. Um, I was the host barista person at the time, and um, he came in as part of like a local food environmental initiative conference at the University of Guelph, and they came in and uh, Chef Yasser made them like a custom menu. He came out and talked with them for like 15 minutes, and then he was like, I have it, and then he would go back and he made, it was like an eight-course meal. It was amazing. Um, And so, but it was funny because, like, people just, like, so I thought, like, David Suzuki would sit in a way because they had these long booths at the time in that restaurant. And I thought he would sit in a way that he would be less obvious to be seen. You know, like, he would sit in on the booth and facing away from the front door. What does he do? He sits right on the end of the booth facing the front door. So everybody that came in was like, is that David Suzuki? And I was like, Yes. Please don't ask for his autograph. Yeah, yeah, they were like literally it was the whole night was just like, is that David Suzuki? Yes. Can I go talk to him? No. Like just the whole night. Like people just wanting to like, you know, talk to him or whatever, and it was all I mean at least people were asking, I guess. I mean people know who David Suzuki was. They were like, Watch connect with him, you know. Um so I was really excited, but it was just the sort of like it was very surreal and it was like, you know, it was pretty awesome and getting him hearing him talk about the environment with the little bit of eavesdropping I got to do, you know, with the conference and stuff. It was pretty cool, and he looks exactly and acts exactly <laughs> like you would expect. So one of the celebrities I've uh, served from the Guelph area over time, It's it was a good time. So we had some fun. Oh, that's so, awesome. Do you have any stories to share? Oh, my God, so many. Uh, so... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go into the, lean into the theme of uh, local, local Guelph characters. Perfect. Uh, so when I was working at the cafe, we had one lady who, I'm going to call her Patricia, because I don't want to hurt any feelings, um, but she was this outwardly, love, outwardly lovely lady. Um, and she'd come in and she was very much like of the earth, uh, she would kind of smell a little bit like incense and she'd talk to each of us about like how our auras were looking and how it would affect the brewing of her coffee. Um, and I remember she got very fixated on one of our baristas. Um, I'll call him Dan. Um, but she was like, he has the loveliest aura. Like I want him to always make my coffee whenever I come in. Like she would hone in on Dan. Uh, so one day, uh, a coworker, another coworker of mine and, and Dan are working the bar and Patricia comes in. Um, she had no idea of knowing this, but, uh, Dan had just like accidentally opened the hot water tower, like all over his hand and he had badly burned himself. And so the scene she walks in on is him like whimpering as he has his hand under the cold water in the sink. Um, and my other coworker is like, oh, hello, Patricia. Like, uh, Dan's burned his hand really badly, but I'm happy to make your drink for, for you. You know, being the pleasant barista that she was, uh, Patricia, who, um, I think she hides this layer of, of anger that she needs to work on under this, under this, like, very, you know, peaceful hippie mentality. Uh, cause she was just like, I don't care how burnt his hand is. I want Dan to make my coffee. Oh. Because I appreciate his aura and yours does not do. Wow. Yeah. 
That sounds like a Portlandia skit right there. It really does. It was very <laughs> surreal. I was just like, uh, this is, I don't think anyone's aura is very happy right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know if anyone, yeah, yeah, they're definitely, Guelph is an episode of Portlandia. Like, if anyone oh, yeah. who works downtown Guelph or has done that for a period of time, it's it's Guelphlandia. Like, just go it watch. Really is. Yeah. Like the uh, the local food restaurant one episode where they were talking about like they go into the restaurant and the service answering the questions. They're like, "Is the chicken local?" And they're like, "Actually, I have their file." They pull out like the chicken file. <laughs> like it's like literally I've dealt with it to that level. Like I was serving a table once that was like, "What's salsify?" And I was like answering questions on. And they were like, "What type of earth is it grown in?" And they're like, like I have no what's idea. What's the mineral content? And I was like, "That's out of my pay grade." So I had to like go get a and then. Like, what does the leaves on it look like? I'm like, I don't know. It's a root vegetable. I just yeah. see the root version. Like, and uh, so I ended up, like, having to get a manager, and she had to, like, open it up on her phone and show it to the guest and be like, this is what it looks like. And I just, like, literally Portlandia. Our whole thing is Portlandia. Oh, yes. Right? There, that's how it is. That's how it all works. So mm-hmm. pretty funny. And, uh, yeah, that's a good story. It's, uh, yeah, like, you always, yeah, I think that's sort of the nature of our jobs is we connect with all sorts of people and interact with people that you may not it'd be expected to otherwise right Mm. and that's where that you know that's where we connect and flush out ideas and learn things and that sort of stuff and be in the world right you have to expose yourself to the world in a sort of way with these sort of jobs oh yes that a lot of people don't always have to Mm -hmm. i do have one more story if you don't mind me sharing yeah go go for it uh i was just thinking about this and we're talking about uh infrastructure and safety and training and investing in your in your staff um i was doing maintenance and at the time I was trying to do a job on a, what's called a, a reverse osmosis filtration system. And it comes with these gigantic five stage filters that you have to change out periodically. Um, at the time, like I was just starting out as a maintenance person and my trainer, uh, was like, okay, like all you have to do is take these five filters, swap them out. No big deal. I'm going to go. I've got something else to do. And so he left me. And I'm like, okay, that sounds that sounds fine. Uh, so I started, like, popping these filters off just kind of nonchalantly. I'm like, okay, this is really easy. On the last one, there's this sudden hiss. And the next thing I know, I'm being propelled across the cafe on this geyser of water. Uh, and it's Hot just... Water? it's No, it's just cold filtered okay. water. It was fine. But, like... I could not, for the light, I couldn't figure out how to stop it. There was no bucket big enough to, like, collect this water that was just spraying me across the cafe. I flooded the entire cafe. I was completely soaked, like, through to my skin from head to toe. Uh, I flooded the wine and cheese shop next door. Uh, And so their owners came over very angrily being like, what on earth has happened? And they saw me looking like this tiny wet rat. And I think they like kind of softened a little. They're like, I don't know what happened, but you just flooded our store. And I'm like, I am so sorry. I don't know what happened. And eventually like the water just ran out in the machine. Yeah. And of course that's the moment that my trainer comes back in and sees all of this (laughs) in front of like, like two stores are just pools of water. And he's like, how? Oh, you were supposed to depressurize those before you did that. And like, I wish I had known that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's something right there. Yeah, and that's definitely, that's also a skit out of Portlandia, but like, pretty good. Especially because it was a cheese shop next door. Like, that's just, 
There's yeah. A, there's a little ding on top of the story. Oh my god, that's yeah. Yeah, we've all been there with like breaking things and stuff like that. Um, I would say I learned a valuable lesson that day. It yeah. was to read the manual from head to toe, regardless of what your trainer yeah, says. Regardless of what someone tells you, always read the, tra- oh, the manual head to toe. Um, I'm trying to think, did I ever hugely break something? I'm trying to think if I did. Um, I feel like I did at some point. I had to have. Um, I had a few times where I like would actively like not do certain jobs because like I just knew that I didn't want to have the responsibility, which probably made me a horrible employee, but like whatever, um, uh, in some ways. But like I remember I worked a catering job for a catering company that worked for very high end clients. Um, and they would do a hospital dinner. Oh, that sounds lovely. Very lovely. Very full course outdoor tent meal. They bring in a kitchen and everything, like, whole thing at the mansion, big deal. And, you know, I'm, like, the opposite. I was a teenager at the time, but I'm, like, the opposite of every other teenage boy out there, like, because I, like, don't want the responsibility in that kind of way. But So, like, valet car service. Ooh. They were running that. So they offered that as a service as part of it. So we do valet car service. And um, I was like, I'm not driving anyone's car. (laughs) Like, I was like, I'm not going to drive the Maserati that just popped up to, like, even just the one block to where they're actually parking I the cars. I do not trust myself. And I, was like, I was like, I will mess that up. Um, <laughs> so I got the job of, like, taking the keys, and I was like, not gonna, like, I was like, not gonna do it. I remember there was another time there was an ice sculpture that was being put in place. They're like, help me lift it. I was like, Pfft. No. <laughs> I was like, find someone else, because I'll fuck it up, and, like, we're gonna have, like, a broken ice sculpture or whatever um it was really extra it was an ice sculpture of a mar- hand holding a martini mm-hmm. and it was on the bar stand and when um someone came in order to drink they dumped the cocktail through the ice sculpture in a tube and that's what chilled the drink oh that's amazing yeah so it was really cool but like i was like i will mess this like you don't want me doing this. the margin like, of error the margin is of error is much. way too <laughs> high with me okay well, this has been an absolute blast. Uh, I've really enjoyed talking with you. Maybe you'll be back on in the future. Who knows? Yeah, we'll talk more be. about this. And, you know, because I think it's something that we really want to talk about. And, uh, yeah, so thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Awesome. Till next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Hell's Kitchen podcast. Now, if you want to contact me, my email is aaron at balancelifeservices.ca. My Twitter is b underscore life underscore services. My Instagram is balanced underscore life underscore services. And don't forget to go join that Facebook group, Hell's Kitchen, where you can connect with all sorts of working food service professionals to find out what works for them what isn't working for them and find some people who maybe know how to help you have a better work day and remember if you want to be a guest on this podcast send me an email i'd love to chat with you see ya